Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the Gospel of Luke, and Pastor Brian uh, is joining us today. He uh, runs a lot of our ministries with filled, uh, children and family, and so uh, the, today's passage being about Jesus as a tween, as a 12-year-old, uh, I'm hoping uh, Brian will be, be able to lend us uh, some insights. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52, and Brian, if you'd be willing to read that for us, that would be wonderful. Sure. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Well, you know, um, this is a, a, an interesting passage in a number of ways, but I want to give just a little bit of context first as we discuss this. And this is a great passage for uh for seeing that the Gospels are not a biography. This is not the life story of Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, Gospels had a much, uh, well, usually biographies back then, period, but Gospels had a, have a much narrower focus. They're looking at the mission and meaning of Jesus's life, not just getting to know him personally in some way. And so there's this uh, really narrow focus on three years of Jesus's life and even the very last week of his life um, with a little bit of uh, snippets of his childhood, his birth, and, and, and earlier life. But those those snippets are meant for us to have some context to understand some of the meaning of his later um, uh, mission. So that's what we're getting here, is we're getting an insight into Jesus's future ministry and mission through this uh, moment, this little snapshot of Jesus as a tween, as a 12-year-old. Uh, children in that day were a lot more independent and uh, there wasn't any such thing as helicopter parenting. I feel like even just in my own life, I've seen this uh, radical change to uh, much more hands-on parenting, which is good in some ways, but I think uh, is, is troublesome in others. But regardless of what you think of it, it, obviously there was a very different style of parenting back then. Uh, but still, it's kind of amazing, even given that context, it seems kind of amazing that they don't notice Jesus missing for an entire day. It's not until they're looking around at evening that they realize he's not with them. They're searching amongst all the people traveling with them. They still can't find him, so they have to return to Jerusalem. And it's not for three whole days that they're able to find Jesus. And you you can almost hear in Mary's voice that, that, that voice of uh, relief and frustration at the same time, like, son, why did you do this to us? Don't you see how frantic we were searching for you? And Jesus is just as perplexed by them as they are by him. He doesn't understand their confusion and their, their anger and frustration. At verse 49, he says, why did you need to search? 
You know, like, didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? Like of all the places you would search, Jesus is saying like, wouldn't this be the first place you look rather than, you know, three days later, finally you come to find me in the temple. And Mary, it says, uh, kind of stores up these things or in verse 51 stores up these things, or maybe the more traditional wording treasures these things in her heart, which is something that she seems to do when there's something that is uh, kind of amazes her that she doesn't fully understand, but um, she holds on to and remembers this moment. And because it's going to have, she knows it's going to have future meaning and she's going to be able to understand over time. And what I see in here is that Jesus really knows who he is and whose he is. And, and Mary has to learn this lesson that Jesus is more the son of God than the son of Mary. And, and even though that's more true in Mary's condition, uh, Mary's case than ours, I think this is a lesson that we all have to learn that God, uh, that the children we have, if we have children, they are much more God's children than they are our children. In essence, our task is to see these children as a gift that we, we raise our children to become adults who will leave our families and start families perhaps of their own, but have an their own meaning and mission to life. And so in any case, uh, Brian, I'm wondering what you see in this. And especially I know that you have uh, a lot of um, uh, attachment to this final verse that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in the favor of God and all people. What do you see here today? Yeah, well, the first part that gets gets me thinking is just that, that three days of, of stewing and, and wondering and just imagining, I mean, the catastrophic kind of thinking that would go on in your head as a parent, uh, understandably, but then also kind of going back and forth to this like anger and frustration, like what is this child doing? Like just so frustrating. And uh, having been a middle school pastor for many, many years, um, I just resonate with those moments, particularly one came to mind when I was on a retreat and some guys woke up in the middle of the night and they had seen that we were using a, a fog machine for some of the skits and activities we were doing on this retreat. And, uh, and they, they knew that the fog machine was housed in the same building where all the girls, the eighth grade girls were staying. And so they woke up around 3 a.m. and they snuck in and they turned on the fog machine and then ran knowing that it would set off the folk smoke alarms and that the girls would have to wake up and all this stuff. But on top of that, what I perceived had have happened is they had, it was bitter, cold winter retreat. They had poured a ton of water on the steps right outside. So as they're coming out, it's like an ice rink and thankfully no one got hurt, but I was livid. So you talked about Jesus knowing who he was and whose he was. I mean, there's the parallel breaks down there because these boys were just crazy being foolish, but I thought they were smart enough to know what they had done and when I, so we got them all set up and just had to get everybody back to bed and the boys had run away, but we knew who it was. So we just had to get the girls settled. We let everybody go back to bed, but I spent the rest of the night, whatever, 4am till 7 or 8am, just seething, right. And stewing and thinking of the horrible things that could have happened. Thankfully they didn't as well as the punishments that I was, how much pain could I inflict on these middle school boys for the foolishness and the horrible things they had done. And so I just went in and I laid into them the next day and just told them all the punishments and horrible things they had done and the horrible people they were. And there was, and then they just walked away. And I, cause I was just, that's where I was at at that point in my maturity and leadership and everything. But I had some, another leader who actually was later my best man in my wedding, um, had the, the wisdom and maturity to stay back with them then. And if you want to call him the good cop, I was definitely the bad cop at that point. 
and actually had a conversation with them and began to understand and got enough information to realize that they had not intentionally sought to cause these girls to get concussions. Like they had just been messing around with water earlier in the night and happened to freeze over. And it wasn't this whole like malicious plan. It was just goofiness and silliness and gained a rapport and a relationship with them in the end. And as I thought through all the things that I learned from that, I just, I appreciated the journey. And I don't know, it's hard to say, like, as I was reading the text, I was wondering, how should I read this? Like, whenever, like, why did you do this to us? Like, are they seething? Are they curious? Like, I would like to be curious, more curious in those moments with my kids and other kids that I lead and, and wonder and, and get enough information to actually know what's in their heart. And later on, Mary does say, you know, I, I, she stored them up and she pondered them. And I, at least she got there. And I don't know, no, understandably, three days of all the things you could be thinking, she, they could have just been mad and laid into him even more than we see. Or maybe they were just very curious and really wise parents. But all that to say, it just reminded me of the posture I want to take toward tweens in their, and teens and all of their messiness and craziness and the ways that they do things that make us understandably upset, concerned, fearful, but wanting to kind of stop and ask the questions in a way that builds rapport and listens enough and doesn't just lay into them and make a bunch of assumptions that we often can make as parents So and as leaders. So that was the first thing that just kind of came to mind and just wondering how they navigated that and exactly the tone of voice that I wish I could just hear, you know, sometimes you're reading like, what was the tone of voice when they asked that question? Um, but either way, I could, I could be impressed if it's nice and understanding if it wasn't. But um, as you said, the other verse, 252, um, really interesting. That's actually the curriculum we use for our elementary kids in Kids Rock is called 252. And it refers to this verse in Luke. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and people. And as we journey with our kids in elementary school, that that's our, our dream for them, that they would develop wisdom and making wise choices and grow in their relationship with God and how they interact with other people. And, uh, and I also am always intrigued. My, my brother-in-law actually loves this verse for different reasons and will meet regularly, I think either annually or maybe even twice a year and sit down with each of his three kids and ask them, okay, in this next season, how would you like to grow in wisdom? And for them, that usually means something around school, um, things they want to learn, but with a God word focus. How would you like to grow in stature? Usually that's something physical that they want to accomplish or a, a goal physically. And then how do you want to grow in your faith and in your relationships with other people? And so he has them just create four goals um, and then checks in and they all share a little bit about those. It's kind of a good time to think about that as we do New Year's uh, resolutions and stuff like that, but a little twist on them. I, you know, Dave said the other day, like, just don't try to lose 10 pounds, but think about what are you actually trying to grow in as a follower of Christ? Um, and so I actually, today I was just um, pulling out some things. We started out the school year with our kids. So um, I'm excited, actually, tonight when you, you asked me to do this, I was like, well, this is great timing because tonight at dinner, I'm pulling these out and I'm uh, going to check in and say, OK, this is what you guys wrote in the fall when we started out the school year. How's it going? And what would you like to tweak? And how would you like to adjust that? So um, I appreciate that reminder from this passage and uh, what Jesus did there. So those are the things that came up to me. I don't know if that jumps out at you or you think we're I'm a crazy middle school pastor or a 
No, no, no. Well, I mean, that story is kind of crazy about the the fog machine, but um, yeah, I, I guess uh, one thing that I think maybe na naturally lends itself uh, to be something that we would think about uh, in following Jesus is that Jesus here doesn't do anything that's that's wrong. In fact, uh, one interesting thing is that at 12 years old, this was Jesus's first, very first opportunity to enter into this question and answer time with the priests that would stay after in, in the temple. And so this is a wonderful opportunity for him. That's the first access that he has to it. But even so, even though he's not doing anything wrong and, and, and like his parents in a way don't understand what his real mission is and what his real purpose is, uh, it still says that Jesus was obedient to them. There is this mm -hmm. uh, respect for their authority as his parents. And I think that that's something as Americans, I think we especially have difficulty with to, to understand that we're under God's authority and we have a calling and a mission and a vocation, whatever it might be. But at the same time, there's this need to be respectful to our parents, to our elders, to those who are in authority above us. It doesn't mean we abandon our mission. Jesus doesn't stop being engaged with the word of God and and, and all of that. But there's this respectful attitude that he has uh, towards his parents. And so I, I think that can be a, a lesson that is uh, maybe applicable to many of us and is very difficult to learn. I'll say that that's uh, been a really important one for me as well. And, and I am definitely still learning it. Uh, in any case, uh, Brian, do you have any final insights and would you be willing to close this in prayer? No, happy to pray for us and all these things. Let me pray. God, we thank you that you came as a, a human being and you walked through all the craziness of even the, the tween age, teenage years. And um, Lord, I, I know it was totally different times, but we thankful for this little glimpse of how you were obedient even to earthly parents um, with all you knew and understood and and then how we get to learn and see the ways that you grew as an invitation to us to grow in similar ways lord we pray that we as adults and then with the next generation too would be able to grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with you and with other people lord we we ask for your wisdom and guidance and how to do that thank you that you are with us and pray your spirit would guide us in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, Pastor Brian, thank you for joining us today. Everyone else, thank you for being a part of this journey. I hope that you're able to join us again tomorrow as we continue through the Gospel of Luke. Go in peace.